the next couple of games are, are big time. I mean, it's playoffs, man. It's playoffs, and we, we just got to keep winning. Welcome, everybody. This is CFL Weekly. I am Matthew Cause. That is Aaron Korolnik. You are listening to the TSN Radio Network. And CFL Weekly is brought to you by Domino's. Grab a delicious four-topping pizza for just $12.99 tonight. Check out all the great carryout and delivery deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Aaron Korolnik, producer of the morning show here in Toronto, and the guy who is basically dominating both CFL gambling and fantasy. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Matt. Yes, 62nd in the world in CFL fantasy, Matthew. And let me tell you, when you roll into the bar and you tell the ladies that yeah. you're 62nd in the world in CFL fantasy, they pour their drink right in your face. Yes, they do. And then they go, sorry, I was the 61st best <laughs> exactly. fantasy. It's like, so, come on, not even top 50. Get it together, man. Okay, hold on. So you're 62nd. Out of how many? Like, like, give me a do you many thousand, rough? many thousand. CFL's fantasy, a thriving industry. Yeah, okay. A CFL, a league soon to be spanning multiple continents. We know it's going to Germany. We're mm-hmm. going to Mexico. That's right. CFL fantasy only increasing in popularity. So you're the top. It. You're in the top one or two percentile there. Absolutely, my man. So uh, on the show today, we got Dave Naylor, TS uh, CFL and TSN insider, is going to be joining us. Um, a lot that you and I are going to discuss about rest versus rust. Uh, we're going to look back at week 19, look at week 20. Plus, as mentioned, fantasy and gambling tips from Aaron Korolnik. Um, but let's first go back to week 19. Um, I, I think the biggest takeaway was Calgary and that 37-33 win over Winnipeg. It, it certainly hit some of the most uh, playoff implications of any of the games. Yeah, that was a great game. And I'm still constantly surprised that the Bombers are able to put up so many points without being able to generate any offense through the air. I mean, we know how amazing the running game is. Chris Traveler, probably the best running quarterback we've seen in a long time in the CFL. Andrew Harris was rolling yeah. last week, or a couple weeks ago, last week a little bit as well. And I think the big takeaway for me certainly is the way that Calgary's offense is percolating right now. Bo Levi Mitchell, he's thrown for at least 330 in four of his last five games, averaging 377 through the air during that stretch. He's on fire. And when Bo Levi Mitchell is the best player in the CFL, the Calgary Stampeders are nearly impossible to beat. Oh, and we'll get to who's the best player in the CFL because it's not Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, but you know what? A good point by you, and, and we're going to cover more about Calgary and how good they've been in second with a three and out. But I like that point about Winnipeg. They, If you look at them and you look at their stats, they're always one of the top teams in scoring. You know, I, I, I and, and now they've gone down a bit. They're fifth right now, but they're usually pretty high up in it. And the fact that they can still get 30-plus points when Streveler had 134 yards, so much of it's just special teams. Also, there's such an opportunistic defense where they their defense creates points and creates good field position. It's a good point about how Winnipeg, you know, they threw up 33 on Calgary and they didn't even get 140 yards passing. It's happened so many times this year that the Bombers have been able to put up large number of points in spite of the lack of production from their quarterback through the air. And we're probably going to see Zach Caleros this week, yeah. which could change that dynamic. And ultimately, I think with Zach Caleros as their quarterback, they're a more viable team heading into the playoffs. Oh, you know what? It's another thing to debate. You know what? We'll, we'll get to some of the uh, some of the other games. So I think the only one other noteworthy um 
not, nothing with Hamilton. I mean, they beat up Ottawa. It was horrible. Uh, Montreal gets the win over Toronto. Most teams beat Toronto. Not a very impressive showing from the Alouettes yeah. last week. Yeah, I mean, that's... And actually, that goes to rest versus rust, because I think Montreal should be playing all their starters, especially their quarterback. And Saskatchewan, they beat the BC Lions in a game, also a game I think a lot closer than uh, people expected, winning 27-19 uh, to Danny O'Brien and the uh, and the BC Lions. On the other side, Cody Fajardo, the newly inked Cody Fajardo. Shutching. Yeah, yeah, he was fine. He was, fi- he was fine. But uh, we'll get to all of it. Uh, let's get, though, to three and out. First down. First down, we go to Reggie, and I screwed this name up last time, Bagleton. What did you call him before? Uh, I don't know. I, like, I, I screwed it up uh, the last time. How can time. you screw up one of the great players oh in our gosh. national sport, Matthew? We'll get to him. Here's uh, Reggie one-on-one with our, our own Jermaine Franklin. Can you talk about the hat trick of touchdowns that I had tonight? Man, it's a blessing. I'm glad I got the opportunity. I made the most of it. Hopefully I can keep it going from here. We, we got we to gotta keep getting these wins. That's all that matters right now. Overall, the performance of the offense, you guys came up with points when you needed it most. Yeah, we uh, we was mostly standing in our own way. Uh, we, if we could cancel that, I honestly think we could be unstoppable. But it's all in our minds. And destiny is back in your hands. How important are the next two games? But first, I guess the first comes first, Winnipeg next week. Oh, yeah, Winnipeg, uh, these next couple of games are – Oh, big time. I mean, it's playoffs, man. It's playoffs, and we, we just got to keep winning. So let's first start with Reggie before we get to the bigger picture with the Calgary Stampeders. I think a lot of us expected that Reggie would take a step up. Last year, 25 catches, 488 yards, and one touchdown. This year, 91 catches, 1286, and 10 touchdowns. But here's the impressive thing about Reggie. It's one thing when you can feast on bad teams – or get a lot of garbage yards. I'm looking at you, McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Um, <laughs> but against Edmonton, the number one pass D, he said games of 10 for 138, 7 for 88, and both ended touchdowns in both those games. Against Saskatchewan, the number three uh, ranked pass defense, 4 for 102 in a score, and 6 for 90. So it's not just the production. It's the production against high-level defense. And it's doing it with two different quarterbacks. This yeah. Nick Arbuckle and Bo Levi Mitchell have pretty much st- uh, split starts during this CFL season. You can't say anything. You can't lay anything but effusive praise at the hands of Reggie Bagleton. He has been probably, for my money, the most consistent wide receiver week to week in the Canadian Football League. You can make an argument for Brandon Banks there as well. Spoiler I think, alert. I think you're splitting hairs, really. Bagleton, yeah. Burnham, Banks, even Braylon Addison to some extent. They've all had exceptional seasons. Yeah. And all, all three, all four of those guys are deserving a ton of credit. Um, certainly as we head into awards season in the Canadian Football League. And we're going to be there, by the way. You and I are going to be at the awards show for Grey Cup Week. I just got my tux dry clean, Matt. I'll be ready to go. I'm hoping we sit next to maybe Reggie or Brandon Banks. And, and they'll be like, get out of here. We can make acquaintances. By the way, what is what is the dress code? We'll, we'll get to Calgary in a second. What is the dress code? You've been to these. It's going yeah. to be my first time at the awards shows. I've usually skipped out on it's that. It's actually, yeah, just over a month away until Grey Cup week in Calgary. I'm super excited. Can I do a suit and tie? Oh, absolutely. I, okay, oh, no, okay. We are definitely suiting up, buddy. Yeah, yeah. That's a night where we're mixing and mingling with the CFL's top Glitterari. Institutions, yeah, the glitterari. It's yeah, it's it's the real glitterari of the CFL. I cannot wait. It's going to be a special evening, and 
you know, I know, I know you, you're on the side of Brandon Banks. I read your column in CFL.ca this week about Brandon Banks and his MOP candidacy. It's done. I'm it's completely his. in agreement with you, and certainly we'll ask Dave Naylor later in the program as well his thoughts. Let's get to Calgary. Since Bo Levi Mitchell has come back, they are 6-1. and one. They've beaten Edmonton twice, one time with Harris, one time with Logan Kilwer. They beat Hamilton. The only time Hamilton has lost in, in their current run. Uh, they beat Winnipeg. Their one loss was the Alouettes in a game where they badly outgained Montreal. But it's one of those weird games. And, and credit to Montreal's secondary. They did their job. But Calgary's receivers lost like three or four fumbles. That's not something you usually see. Um, Calgary right now is on a heater. And here's a question for, um, for Dave Naylor. Who's a better team, the Calgary Stampeders or the Hamilton Ticats? I mean, I think going back to our previous discussion about Bagleton and Banks, I think you're splitting hairs with those two teams. But here is the main difference between them. It is experience. It is battle-tested yeah. fortitude. You're talking about Dane Evans, a guy who has never started in a CFL playoff game, and Bo Levi Mitchell, who has been in countless crucial games throughout his career. I think you have to lean on the side of experience in a cold-weather environment uh, that you're going to see in the months of November in the CFL. Bo just has that that experience factor that means a lot to me. And you look at, you're talking about Dane Evans with Hamilton. You're talking about Cody Fajardo with the Riders. Yeah. You're talking about Zach Caleros or Chris Traveler with Winnipeg. And Vernon Adams Jr., these guys don't have the same pedigree that Bo has. And ultimately, I think that's going to be a very big determining factor when crowning our Grey Cup champion this year. And final thought here before we move on to uh, to second down. They are first in turnover ratio, second in the fewest penalties. Calgary doesn't, they don't beat themselves. This is a very good coaching. Very, yeah, great coaching, yeah. Um, Let's move on to second down. Second down. Uh, And for second down, we go to one of the smartest coaches in the league, uh, Mike O'Shea. When you mentioned earlier about Winnipeg, they get lots of points, not always with the most offensive yardage. O'Shea gets a big part of that. He talks about um, just the toughness of Chris Streveler. At this time of year, all these guys are nicked up, but you know, obviously, Strev got a little nicked up in that game, and I think when guys do that, they just they're putting it on the line for their teammates. You know, they they want to be out there for them. They they just <laughs> they love working for their teammates. They love them, so they want to give everything they got. I mean, in in practice, he's he's right and everything like that. So um, also, if we get in a situation where we got to run, hurry up. You know, there's. I know Sean's been doing that all all year, and Zach's had a week of it, right? So um, I wanted to get him in there, get him loose, and see what he could do. And I, I think he was he was right, and he delivered the ball. So just missed that one to Lucky. It's unfortunate. And Sean, he's talking, of course, is Sean McGuire, who came into the game instead of Zach Caleros after Streveler went down. My first thought about Streveler, um, there was a tweet from uh, Marshall Ferguson from one of our sister stations, uh, TSN uh, 1150 in Hamilton, and um, Marshall used to be a quarterback for McMaster. And he put out a couple um, video shots of Streveler running the ball where he's getting hammered by Calgary defenders. And he's like, I'm watching this game and I want to take an ice bath. Like, Streveler, there are quarterbacks who run the ball who, you know, they, they, like Russell Wilson, they go out of bounds, they don't get hit. Streveler's the other way. Every carry. Feels like he's just getting punished. Well, the reality of the situation with Chris Streveler is that he's as good an athlete as there is in the CFL, and he's as big as a lot of the linebackers yeah. in the CFL. He's a monster. He is. The, Chris Streveler is probably one of the last guys I'd want to tackle. And I know Dave Naylor, who's coming up with us later in the program, does the annual CFL Players Poll. One of his 
one of his poles is the, the toughest pl- player. The toughest player to tackle. I think Chris Strubler's got to be in the mix. So you factor in all the punishment he takes week after week, running it ten plus times. It's not surprising to see him uh, only miss one series and Sean McGuire come in. But I guess the biggest question, certainly leading into this week for the Bombers against the Stampeders, a crucial game for both teams, is who will start at quarterback? Yeah. I know you have one view on this subject, Matt. If Strebler's healthy, and I think I have another. Actually, I if I think it should be Strebler, but because Zach Calaris, I used to love Calaris. I, I wrote an article earlier this year. I had to break up with him. Um, he hasn't played yeah. all year. Uh, he's a great unknown. We have no idea what to expect from him. Now, if Strebler is, you know, if he is hurting, if he is, you know, less than eighty percent or whatever. Then yeah, obviously you you give it to Calaris. But if Strebler's ready to go, I still go with him. Also, and this is you know this is apropos of nothing, but I don't know. If, I don't think Zach Calaris has ever beaten the Hamilton. Uh, it's ever beaten, excuse me, the uh, the Calgary Stampeders in his career. Um, but Strebler, fifteen tough carries against Calgary. He's averaged eleven carries over the last eight games. Uh, but if he's healthy, I go with him over Calaris. I think it'll be Caleros this week, regardless of Strebler's health. I think that the Bombers have lost four of their last five. Their passing has fallen off the yeah. map. And this is a team that you need to diversify your offense just a little bit. Chris Strebler, I was talking to our man Derek Taylor with the details out in Saskatchewan. On passes of 20 yards or more this year, Ugh. Chris Strebler <laughs> is 6 of 26 with six picks. He cannot throw the ball downfield. And in order to keep a defense honest. So the amount of honest, completions as the amount of interceptions. Exactly. That's yeah. a major problem. Yeah. Do I think Zach Caleros is a great CFL quarterback anymore? Certainly not. But he offers a different dynamic that I think Winnipeg is going to need to have as you enter the last few weeks of the season and likely a road game either in Calgary or in Saskatchewan, both very tough matchups in which they'll need to be able to throw the ball. Yeah. No, it, it, it's a good point just about let's see what I mean, let's see what you got. You you might as well and hell for Caleros, um throw throw you against Calgary. We'll see what you can do. I guess my question is why didn't Winnipeg get McLeod Bethel Thompson? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. When you look at it, Zach Caleros has taken three snaps this year. MBT has nine games of three hundred yeah. yards passing or more. And I, I imagine there's some kind of issue with acclimating yourself to the new offense. But that never made sense to me on the surface, especially now that Caleros is an extremely important piece for this team. A team that uh, Winnipeg hasn't won a great cup in, what, 20-something years? Yep. I think since, was it 1989? Oh, it's been, no, 89, uh, 89. Was or the, 99, whatever. Please correct we'll, me if I'm wrong. We'll, we'll look that right. up. It's, it's probably been, something I should know, but... Um, and, you know, it's a good point about Thompson. I think, uh, you know, I like to make fun of him here or there, but he's a productive quarterback. Winnipeg could use it. Let's get to uh, third down. Third down. This is Henry Burris and what's allowed Hamilton to set a single season wins record. One thing that's made Coach Orlando Steinauer, to me, the coach of the year this year, because, I mean, he's done a remarkable job, even with the playmakers that he has all over the entire place. He's added what's called perspective in that locker room, where regardless of who you are and what you've done in the past, each and every game, you've got to bring it. You've got to bring it. Guys like Brandon Banks, of course, we talked about his injury last year. He was out there giving all he had, throwing his body around. Simone Lawrence, two guys that are definitely going to be up for different awards this year for MOP for Brandon Banks and definitely Defensive Player of the Year for Simone Lawrence. But the leaders of this team continue to lead the team. But like I said, it's the leaders, the seniors, the veterans. If you look across the league, guys, the guys who have those players on those teams are the ones who are successful. And first, before we get to that, apologies to Tom Burgess and the 1990 Winnipeg Blue Bombers, <laughs> who just pantsed 
Edmonton 50 to 11 in uh, the 78th Grey Cup, the last time Winnipeg won it. Um, as for um, as for Hamilton, and we'll get to Brandon Banks a little later in the show. So much of this first is it's about the stars: Simone Lawrence, Delvin Bro, Jagera Davis. There are three levels of defense where you got stars. Uh, Brandon Banks, Braylon Addison, um, that entire offensive line, and plus a lot of other guys who have contributed here or there. There's just a lot of great players on the on the Hamilton team, and good on the coaching staff for you know doing what they they needed to do to get Dane Evans to be as productive as he's been. I'm glad you mentioned Dane Evans because he deserves a ton of credit. When Jeremiah Masoli went down, a lot of people wrote off the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And considering he was the East representative for MOP last year, it was understandable. Yeah, Jeremiah, but, yeah. But yeah. Dane Evans has been an absolute revelation for this team. Hamilton's 8-0 at home this year. What yeah. else can you really say? They've won eight of their last nine games, and Dane Evans has been as good as any quarterback in the CFL in the last few months, and there's no reason that shouldn't continue heading into the playoffs. Um, we'll get more into that. Dave Naylor is going to join us. We'll get into the debate about what should a team like Montreal do, rest, or should they play all their starters down the stretch? I got Brandon Banks as the clear-cut MOP, and I don't think anyone is even close. We'll get into that next with uh, Dave Naylor. That's Aaron Kronick. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to CFL Weekly right here on the TSN Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. This is... CFL Weekly, right here on the TSN Radio Network. I'm Matthew Cause. That is Aaron Karolnik. Joining us now, fun fact, we share the same middle name. It is <laughs> David William Naylor, TSN Football Insider, all things CFL and, in, and NFL. Dave, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, great to be with you guys. So let's just start at the top. I'm looking at your Twitter account because I like to creep. And uh, the last one you retweeted was Bob Irving talking about how Zach Caleros got virtually all the first-team reps. I'm just curious your thoughts about Zach Caleros in Winnipeg and uh, just chances of any sort of success there. Well, the situation is, is provoked by the fact that Chris Streveler did not practice at all yesterday. I don't think he was, was even seen at practice. And, and interestingly, the Bombers are on a week where they have only two practices, one on Tuesday and then Wednesday's practice is closed. So uh, no one is actually going to know whether Chris Strebler practices, and the Bombers being the Bombers will not reveal anything about that. But I think we can pretty safely say that if, if Strebler was nowhere near practice on Tuesday and Zach Caleros has taken first-team reps, that he's going to start this game over Sean McGuire, the backup who hadn't had any CFL reps at all until he went in late in last week's game. So this, in a way... You know, gives the Bombers an opportunity because they, they're on a bye next week. So this is their opportunity to see how well Caleros has grasped the offense, how comfortable he looks just playing football because nobody's, other than three snaps, nobody's seen him do that since last October. I mean, it's been almost a year. And, you know, then you go in, they, I say they've got the bye in the final week of the season. They're going to be playing. We know for sure they're not hosting the Western Finals, so they're going to be playing the first weeks of the playoffs. It could be in Winnipeg, could be on the road. Uh, but if Strebler is healthy, you know, then they can make a decision based somewhere on Strebler's health and what they saw from Caleros against Calgary. Uh, and I don't think it's beyond any comprehension that that formula might involve using both guys, which 
since they're both such different styles, you know, may give them an opportunity to do some different things, keep defenses guessing in terms of preparation, those sort of things. But we are into the sort of managed by field territory for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at quarterback. Dave Naylor of the CFL on TSN is on the line with us on CFL Weekly. And Dave, you know my affinity for McLeod Bethel Thompson of the Toronto (laughs) Argonauts. I think he's a quality CFL quarterback. And I was very puzzled to see the Bombers side with Zach Caleros, acquire him at the trade deadline, as opposed to MBT, a guy who has been very productive this year, while Caleros, as you mentioned previously, just three snaps this year. Did they have any inquiries about Bethel Thompson, and why was this decision made to ultimately go with Caleros in the trade as opposed to MBT? You know, I don't believe they had any any serious inquiries about McLeod Bethel Thompson. Again, there were, you know, there were teams that had some need at quarterback beyond Winnipeg, Hamilton, uh, and and Edmonton as well, just because of the the lack of depth behind their quarterbacks and the uncertainty over Trevor Harris in, in Edmonton, who's now off the sixth game. But I think if you go, and I'm just going to go back to a year ago, more than a year ago, a year and a half ago. You remember when Matt Nichols got hurt during training camp with the Bombers and Strebler got forced into duty with no experience at all, like straight out of college. He started, I think it was the first three games for Winnipeg of the 2018 season. At that time, I remember doing exploring the possibility that Winnipeg might reach out for somebody in Toronto because at that time Toronto had just signed James Franklin. He seemed like he was the backup to Ricky Ray. MBT was the third, was the number three. And the sense I got at that time, and I'd forgotten this at the time, that, that McLeod Bethel Thompson had been in Winnipeg. He'd worked with their staff, with, with Paul Apolise and Mike O'Shea. And for whatever reason, they, they just did not find his style was a fit for what they like to do. And I remember finding that out a year and a half ago. So I'm going to conclude that if he wasn't a fit for what they like to do a year and a half ago, that feeling was probably still present when the Bombers looked at it. And even though, you know, Bethel Thompson, like, you know, with all the quarterback injuries, he's, he's got a shot at leading the league in passing this year, which is, you know, given that he hasn't started every game, says something about, you know, the, the consistency and the health of the quarterbacks in the league this year. But I, I think that's why they were willing to go. And I, look, when I heard that teams were kicking the tires on Caleros, and Hamilton, I think, was as well, it, it surprises me just because he's such an unknown and there's, there seems to be so much uncertainty about, you know, how, how he could play and even what his durability is at, at this stage of his career. And, you know, that takes us in a whole other conversation. Joined by Dave Naylor right here on CFL Weekly. And just a final thought. I was wondering in the last segment, if Caleros ever beaten Calgary? Actually, yes. Zach Caleros as a quarterback for the Rough Riders last year beat Calgary 29-24 in a game where Bo Levi Mitchell did play and played the whole game. And Caleros uh, put up 352 yards and had a pretty good game on that day. Um, sticking with Calgary for a second, you know, they've been on a heater. I think 8-1 and one since Bo Levi Mitchell came back and, hell, they beat Hamilton. Um, how amazing is it when you think about what Calgary's doing when you consider Alex Singleton gone, Jagarit Davis gone, uh, Micah Johnson, like all these great high-end talent players are no longer on the team? No, uh, Jameer Thurman, yep. uh, J- uh, Patrick Levels. I mean, go on and on, the guys that have, that have come off that defense. But, but let's talk about the receivers for a second, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at, look at the guys who are catching passes. You know, it's, it's Huff and Mayala 
uh, and Sundani. I mean, these are guys that, that were not in the mix a year ago. I mean, all of the, all of their top receivers, Mark and Michelle, you know, went to the NFL and got cut. Tavares Daniels is in Edmonton. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's you, you just go down the roster. Even Marquis Dambo has been hurt most of this year. Red, uh, Reggie Bagleton is is essentially you know the only consistent holdover from a year ago. Juwan Breskison got hurt early in the year. So when you strip half the defense away, and then take basically all but one of Bo Levi Mitchell's targets from the year away and then reduce his reps by having to miss whatever it was, six, seven games during the year, and see what they look like right now. I mean, they look primed. They look like a team that's, that's on the hunt and is hitting, hitting their stride. So, you know, credit to that. Look, I, I don't think it's a shock that that's a heck of a coaching staff, and Dave Dickinson is a heck of a coach, and John Huffnagel and his staff do a great job finding players. But I think for all the praise the Calgary Stampeders have garnered over the past three years that they've got to the Grey Cup and been dominant in the regular season, this, to me, is more impressive than any of it. Dave, big news out of Saskatchewan earlier this week. Cody Fajardo signing a two-year deal, about $450,000 per year. How surprised were you to see this deal get done with just a few weeks left in the regular season? And what are its implications heading into the offseason for the other free agent-to-be quarterbacks? I'm I'm not really stunned by this one or surprised by this one. I I mean, about a month ago, I guess I I spoke to Cody Fajardo and he told me at that time his representative uh, had already reached, I guess Jeremy O'Day, the GM of the Rough Riders, had already reached out to his representative. And while they weren't talking numbers at that time, there was a back and forth communication already in play by kind of mid-September. And I, I think that as Fajardo continued to play well, there was, probably some urgency on both sides to get it done. And here's why. I mean, the, the rep riders every week were seeing that this was a guy that they believed in. And so, as we know, if you are a CFL team that is at sea when it comes to finding a quarterback, you're in a much, much different situation. So I think the rep riders said, okay, we've seen enough. Let's get our guy. From the perspective of Pajardo, I mean, the one thing that in football, you know, one game can mean so much, and things tighten up in the playoffs, right? You get you get good opponents in the playoffs, and, and the game tightens up a little bit. I mean, if, if they had gone into a playoff game and lost, you know, 31-6, to six, and Fajardo had a bad game, how much would that have planted doubt in the Rough Riders' minds? How much of that might have affected Fajardo's uh, ability, negotiating position? So, I think from his perspective, his agent's perspective, it was probably from a sense of them like, yeah, you know what? Things are going about as well for you as they've ever gone in your, in your career uh, by a mile. You're on a roll. Let's get this done. And with the Rough Riders, it was like, you know what? Let's get rid of the uncertainty. Let's not go into the offseason and worry about somebody else coming in and, and overpaying him. We, we think this guy not only is a fit for our team, he, we think he's a fit for our organization and our community. Fajardo loves being in Regina. I mean, some guys don't like going to the grocery store and getting stopped for 45 minutes to talk football because you're the quarterback of the Rough Riders. Fajardo doesn't mind that. You know, he, 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 he absolutely is eating up everything that goes with being the quarterback of the Rough Riders. So, uh, you know, it, it made sense. It was, of all the free agent quarterbacks to be this year, you know, to me, that was the most logical fit and the one that seemed the most likely to get done before the end of the season. And the number's a bit eyebrow-raising until you remember that, hey, the marquee quarterback salary in this league is now, you know, six to $700,000. We're, we're, we're not in, this, in the world where the top guys are making five or 550 and the next tier down is kind of in the 250 to 350 range. 
the next tier down is now four to five. So, um, you know, I talked to some people about that deal. Some people would have liked to see a little more of the money have to be earned through playtime. I think his base is around 400. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good contract for him and the rough riders. I think even if they overpaid a, a little bit in some people's eyes, we're, we're happy to put this one to bed and, and know that they've got their guy for the next two seasons beyond this one. Dave, before we let you go, I wrote uh, in CFL.ca, shameless plug, uh, that uh, the vote, it's over, much like in the election. Brandon Banks is the MOP in 2019. Agree or disagree? I would tend to agree with you on that one. I think all things considered, when you when you look at how many different things he does, how consistently he's been, I mean, you can hand the ball to him in the backfield and let him go crazy on yak yards. You can chuck it 50 yards down the field. I, I do think there's something... You're worthy of looking at an MOP candidate on a team that's having a good season. Uh, you know, it, the, you know, the, the counter argument would be Brian Burnham. You know, on a team that's having a bad season, and you could look at his team and say, you know, they they haven't been very good, and the quarterback was under duress for the first half of the season. And you look at the numbers and the catches that he put up. But uh, you know, I, I tend to I tend to agree with you. I mean, I, I think on performance, you know, you still can make a, a very strong argument for Andrew Harris. But uh, my sense is that. If the Winnipeg chapter of the FRC vote goes the way I think it's going to go, I'm not sure he's even going to get to the to the national vote and an opportunity for people to vote for him. So that's that's something we have to kind of bear in mind when we project who we think the MOP would be. But I I still could make a uh, you know just on performance this year, uh, not the the you know, the issue surrounding his PED test and how people are going to manage that. Uh, you know, Andrew Harris would, would be my MOP. Dave, if we had more time, we get into a morality debate, but we got to go. Dave Naylor, TSN Football Insider, as always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great show, guys. Take care. Take care. That is Dave Naylor. Uh, AK, on the other side, want to get a little Trevor Harris talk? Absolutely. I think there's a lot to be said about Trevor Harris's return to the Eskimos and its implication in the West. That's coming up next right here on CFL Weekly. You're listening to the TSN Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. This is CFL Weekly right here on the TSN Radio Network. I'm Matthew Cause. That is Aaron Korolnik, also from TSN 1050 in Toronto. Um, before anything else, AK, why are we playing this? Matthew, when I think CFL, and yeah. CFL Weekly in particular, I yeah. think of DMX and the Rough Riders anthem. The Rough Riders could be in tough this week yeah. against the Eskimos. And I know you want to talk about Trevor Harris and his return. Absolutely. CFL Weekly is brought to you by Domino's Grab, a delicious four-topping pizza for just $12.99 tonight. Check out all the great carryout and delivery deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. And if I was ranking these games, I like to do, by sizes of pizza, Hamilton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, that's a slice. Calgary at Winnipeg, Saskatchewan at Edmonton. That's a full-size pizza. Extra large, baby. Yeah, extra large, tons of toppings. Um, get that dip in sauce. Uh, Edmonton, Trevor Harris, his return. Uh, your thoughts just in terms of what do you think this is going to mean for an offense, which I harp about all the time. It's weird. Second in yards, sixth in points scored. 
They're like that empty calorie team. They're like, you know, having the, that bad meal uh, that you're, it's late at night and you're tipsy and you don't remember eating the next day. You get the calories without the memory. Um, your thoughts about Harris and that offense? I think you can make a very strong argument that Harris and his wins this year have been empty calorie as well. You look at his record in 2019. He is 6-6 six and six as Edmonton's starter. The wins, Toronto twice, BC twice, Ottawa once, and Montreal in week one when they were terrible. Yeah. Their losses, three times against Calgary, twice against Winnipeg, once against Montreal. He has feasted on terrible football teams this year, and when he's had to go up against the top teams in the CFL, the Eskimos have not won. So you look at this this week's matchup, and we're going to talk about it in our our, uh, gambling segment a little bit later in the program. For Edmonton to be just a one-point underdog against the Riders when they haven't beat anybody this year of significance doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, when when I think about and it, you always hate doing this. Like quarterbacks have labels, and the reason they have labels, it's not about the evil media or anything like that. It comes a lot of from play. Like Matt Nichols would have these great moments, but in the end, we're like, ah, you're kind of a game manager. And with with Harris, it's always you put up nice numbers, but what do they really mean? Like, do you remember the playoff game last year? Um, where he had like five touchdown passes, yep. or you know, against Hamilton in the Eastern, an uh, unbelievable performance. And remember, his weapons last year were incredible. But you look in that game, almost, and like he completed ninety percent of his passes, but almost all of them traveled only about five or six yards. So it was funny. He was like almost a high end game manager, where he had three sixty seven and six touchdowns, but it did it just on short passes, screens, and outs. Um, so on that end, I think we we both are a little bit skeptical. But on the other side, they do have a great defense. Yeah. Like, they do a lot of things right, and, and C.J. Gable a very nice year. This certainly, at the very least, I don't think this makes them a legit Grey Cup contender, but their ceiling certainly goes up with Harris back. I think they have potential. And if you look early on in this season, Edmonton was probably the best team in the league through the season's first month. That being said, since then, no one can be impressed with what they've been able to produce. And their defense has been a lot more leaky in recent weeks yes. as well. And certainly there's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. We mentioned Harris, mentioned Gable. Trio of receivers they have in Edmonton is excellent. They have a lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball. But the continuity just has not been there this year. The consistency. And to expect them to go into Montreal and beat them in the East Semi just seems pretty unrealistic to me. In spite of how Montreal has looked in the past month or so, which I haven't been impressed with either. They've been up and down. You know, like they, you know, they, they barely got by Toronto last week. Uh, they lose to Winnipeg, and Winnipeg's, you know, as we've talked about, that team's been fe- feeling it. Like, their high-end moment was probably beat, was, was beating Calgary a couple weeks ago, and that was a game where, in a lot of ways, as we've talked about, statistically, Calgary dominated, but just Montreal's defense came up with so many um, big plays. Um, sticking with Montreal, let's get to the topic of rest versus, uh, you know, just like starting guys, rest versus rust and all, and all of that. Um, you look at Montreal... They don't have anything to play for. They take on Hamilton. Um, Hamilton's got nothing to play for. Then they ended off against uh, in Ottawa, a horrible team that's just playing out the string. So the stakes are incredibly low. But if I'm Montreal, if you know, if I'm the coaching staff there, 
I'm starting um, Vernon Adams. I'm about just, you know, letting that offense continue to play and continue to try to grow. I have no issue with starting Vernon Adams. I have no issue with playing William Stanback and Devere Posey, some of the other top wideouts on Montreal. But I don't think you need to play them the entire game. I think you get them some reps. You play them a half, maybe... In a little bit into the third quarter. Give but, them at least one or two. Oh, you, you need to get the reps, for yeah. sure. Maybe against Ottawa at like the last week of the season, you're playing the following week. Use it as a bye week. Get the rest. But they have a lot of guys who've been banged up this year. Chris Matthews has been banged up this year. He's one of their guys they acquired in the middle of the season. William Stanback has been in and out of the lineup, and Jeremiah Johnson has been very good uh, filling in for him. And their defense, since they lost guys like Taylor Loeffler and Siante Evans through this year, their secondary has been getting yeah. destroyed. Yeah, And that's the biggest concern if I'm the Montreal Alouettes hosting the Edmonton Eskimos in the East semifinal, that Trevor Harris is healthy and he gets it going with that complement of wideouts. That's a game that could go wrong real quick for Montreal if they don't correct the issues on the defensive end. But that being said, an extra week of rest, because Edmonton, I think they'll be playing it out pretty seriously considering what they've lost in terms of time with Trevor Harris. So. I think that's a, a benefit for Montreal, and I think they need to use it. Yeah, Tommy Campbell, a lot's going to be asked of him. He's had, a, he's had an excellent year, but that's not really a shock. Um, final topic just to get to, and I alluded to, talked about a little bit with uh, Dave Naylor. Uh, Brandon Banks, to me, he's the, he's the MOP for a couple reasons. First off, two missed field goal touchdowns on five attempts. He's at the top of the league. He's number one in receiving uh, in receptions. I think he, he's second in yards behind Brian Burnham. But he's number one in yards after the catch. And when I think about what he's done, especially after Masoli went out, how many times did Dane Evans throw a five-yard pass and it was Banks who turned it into a 15-yard gain? And it, that 60-yard touchdown catch that he had that, that basically just sealed the game against Ottawa, it was a good throw by Evans, but it was a better route by Banks, who adjusted at the last moment, created the separation between him and the defensive back. Like what, what Banks does more than I think any other receiver, he makes the job of the quarterback easier, which is why I'm giving him the MOP. I, I'm totally with you. I love watching Brandon Banks play football. He is an absolutely exceptional player. And I think you, one thing you kind of missed there, Matt, was that Hamilton's the best team in the CFL. Yes. They might finish the year with 15 wins, a franchise record. And that's very important for me when determining. I understand the distinction between MVP and MOP, but I wouldn't give Brian Burnham any votes personally. No. He's had a terrific season, but BC's a trash can of a football They're team. They're a trash can team. They, you had Mike Riley for most of it. How much, and I don't have it in front of me, how much of those yards were garbage yards? And something is Burnham. The guy is, is awesome. an incredible uh, is an incredible receiver. Also, keep this in mind. Calgary, or excuse me, Hamilton, has the most efficient passing offense in the league. Like, I know Calgary's averaged a couple more yards, but you look at average yards per play, completion percentage, QB rating, Hamilton is at the top of that list, and Braylon Addison's part of this. Obviously, Braylon Addison played a big part, yeah. but Brandon Banks is still the number one target in the best offense on the best team. Reggie Bagleton had three touchdowns last week for Calgary. I think it'll be close between those two, those two uh, Bagleton and Banks. It's my expectation that Bagleton will probably represent the West. Although it'll be close. Guys like Willie Jefferson and Charleston oh. Hughes have really slowed down yeah, over have. the past four or five weeks. So I think both of those guys are probably out of the mix. Maybe you see Cody Fajardo get the nomination oh, simply be because he's played. He might lead the, the CFL in passing yards. 
which uh, the Saskatchewan offense is far from yeah. explosive. But I give it to I would give, I would give it to Reggie. Yeah, and and Matt Charleston Hughes, give the man a break. He's like thirty five years old. Um, but you're right, they've slowed down. And then there's oh, we can't give it to Andrew Harris because of steroids. Um, again, <laughs> I wish we had time for that, but we got to go. Because on the other side, everyone listening, I want you to take all your money. And whatever money you got in your mortgage or your dumb kids, uh, you know, future for university, um, take all that money and get ready to bet it. Because Aaron Korolnik, or he's known around here in Toronto at TSN 1050, Sergeant Spread is going to give you fantasy and gambling tips, give you the advice you need to win for the upcoming week in the CFL. That is coming up next. That's Aaron Korolnik. I'm Matthew Cause. You're listening to CFL Weekly right here on the TSN Radio Network. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is CFL Weekly on the TSN radio networks all across Canada. I'm Matthew Cause. That is Aaron Korolnik. This is the segment of the show where I get the hell out of the way and let our gambling and fantasy expert take over. That is, of course, Aaron Korolnik. That is his uh, really his expertise beyond anything else. It's my calling, Matthew. It is your calling. That's a that's a much better way of putting it. I could have answered that in much more of efficient fashion. All right, go. We got right. week twenty. Who do you like? Okay, Matt. So let's start off with the gambling portion. And the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are minus one point this week in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And Saskatchewan has been terrific against the spread away from home this season. They are six and one against the spread in their last seven on the road. And get this. The Eskimos as a team, 0-7 against the spread this year versus teams over 500. I think this is a poor line put out by Vegas. Saskatchewan should be favored by more than a field goal. You need to take the one point and run to your sports book because the Riders are going to get it done. A very important game for them. Edmonton, it's more of a reacclimation for Trevor Harris into that lineup, and I think you're going to see some rust on his behalf. You can't expect his normal 300-plus passing yard performance. And even if you got that, I still expect Saskatchewan to triumph by a field goal or more. Yeah, and you know Saskatchewan's got more to play for. They can still, they're still in competition with Calgary for number one in the West. Winnipeg is only a game behind. So, yeah, Saskatchewan has got a lot more to uh, play for. And secondly, we're looking at Calgary minus two at Winnipeg. This one's simple. Calgary's offense is on fire. Bo Levi Mitchell is back to his MOP form. And Winnipeg likely starting Zach Caleros this week. He's taken three snaps all season long. And now he's on a new team, a team he has only practiced with a couple of times. To expect anything from him would be foolhardy. I'm taking the stamps by seven or more in Winnipeg, essentially clinching the West as the stamps just finished with BC in the final week. And we know what a layup that'll be. Yeah, and it's been their manifest destiny, Stan Peters, to once again win the West. Last time we saw Zach Caleros, he was getting hit in the head by Simone Lawrence. Let's uh, go to gamble. You let's go to, go to fantasy? CFL fantasy, Matt. And we're starting with the quarterbacks. I think there are two clear top options this week. Number one, Dane Evans, who's going up against the Montreal Alouettes. We know what Dane Evans has done in the past two months. He has been arguably the most productive fantasy quarterback on a week-to-week basis. The consistency is there. The floor is there. He the also has there. a lot of upside. Absolutely. And I don't think you can expect any rest for Evans in that offense until the final week of the season. Expect a big performance from Hamilton and Dane Evans this week. Another option you can look at as well is Bo Levi Mitchell, who's going up against Winnipeg, a team he torched last week, and I expect a repeat performance from Bo. This is a guy who's on fire. He's dialed in. A floor for him is 18 to 20 points. Both Evans and Bo around the $9,000 mark. And I guess if you're looking for a real deep sleeper, yeah. Will Arndt, if he, slart, if he starts for 
Ottawa. He's only 5,000. He put up a decent showing when he played the Argos last time, but I couldn't advocate yeah. starting Will Arndt in CFL Fantasy. Fun fact, Brandon Banks had more yards receiving than Will Arndt had yards passing uh, last week in Hamilton's win over the Red Blacks. Three guys to look out for at the running back position. Matt, you're looking at Shaq Cooper and Tyrell Sutton, both around $6,000. Yeah, Sutton's been great the last CJ couple weeks. CJ Gable did not practice on Tuesday. It's uncertain if he will start this week. Shaq Cooper has been a stud when starting for the Edmonton Eskimos, and you expect that con- to continue. Tyrell Sutton has been a stud when starting for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the price is not adjusted for that. Also keep an eye out for the return of John Crockett with the Ottawa Red Blacks. He's playing the Argos, a team that just gets lit up against the run. And if Crockett's back in, he's been really good this year winning the lineup. A very productive option at running back. Yeah, I like Sutton. Uh, 260 total yards his last two weeks for Hamilton. And, yeah, C.J. Gable, I'm amazed he's still healthy and productive this late in the season. You know, he's a guy that's always dealt with injuries. Uh, AK, that's uh, that's pretty much it. We are we are out of time. This has been a blast, Let friend. me just give you one wide receiver option. Go, if Darrell go. Walker is out, you need to have Chandler Worthy in your lineup. Ottawa stinks against the boundary wide receivers, and if Darrell Walker is out, Chanley Worthy at 2,500 is an absolute must-have in your lineup. So he's worthy of consideration. Yeah, nice one. I hate myself right now. I'm looking in the mirror, and I don't like what's looking back. Um, AK, this has been a blast. Can't wait. Week 20 of the CFL. Just two weeks left. At the end of this week, we might have a clearer idea who has won the West. It's going to be a blast as always, my friend. Can't wait. A pleasure to be with you as always, Matt. A shout-out to producer Sean Lavery. That's Aaron Korolnik. I'm Matthew Cause. You've been listening to CFL Weekly right here on the TSN Radio Network.